Welcome to Wackamedia, a podcast brought to you by the Society for Cinema and Media Studies. Woohoo! I am Christine Becker. And I am Michael Kackman. And we are back in your ears once again. It's spring. It was like 70 degrees yesterday in South Bend, Indiana. I believe it's supposed to snow on Saturday, so that's how things are going. That's South Bend style. That is South Bend's march. Um, But at least getting that taste, like letting the cat sit in the windows... Oh, boy, the cats are so happy with that spring. The smells, the birds are coming back. It's all good. It's so good. Speaking of cats, we have... Hey, nice segue. Yeah, and I just, like, it just popped in my head. It seemed completely natural. It was. I didn't plan that. And so, and for a person who literally, I'm not kidding you folks, I had to write down Society for Cinema and Media Studies, that one just came out of the blue. Well, you're good with the nouns. It's the, it's the, (laughs) uh, you know, prepositions. prepositions. Okay, yeah, 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 it's the prepositions that... That get me. Um, but yeah, we have a really fun interview here that uh, one of our producers, Frank Mondelli, did for us. But before we get to that, I have to tell you all how this came about. because I also find this. Yeah, this was fun. If you like Twitter and GIFs and things like that, this is fun. So I was on Twitter. I was actually in the public library. I had my car being worked on in another city and, and hung out for the day at the public library. And, uh, you know, I was supposed to be doing work, but I wasn't doing work. I was on Twitter. And I saw a silent film gif of a cat. And this cat turns out to be named Pussums. So I saw this silent film gif of, like, Pussums, this film star. And that led me down a rabbit hole of looking up more info on Pussums, who was a stray cat born on the lot of uh, Max Sennett Studios, grew up to be cast in Chaplin and Keystone Cops comedies, and then finding other famous silent film cats, and then tweeting about all this. And then fellow cat lover and film scholar Dana Auk proposed the idea of a film felines course. And then Matt Boyd-Smith chimes in, another film scholar, and says, hey, did you know there's a intro to film textbook about cats? We're like told through cats. And I was like, what are you talking about? Keep talking, baby. Keep talking. I Googled it and oh my God, I saw the title, Cinema is a Cat, a Cat Lover's Introduction to Film Studies. And mind blown, just amazing. And then a few other people chimed in because they know him and they said, oh, he's a really nice guy. Yeah, you, you know. And then I thought like, I have to get him on Acomedia. This just has to happen. And so I think that I Googled him, emailed him. Within an hour, he replies and said, sure, I'd be happy to chat with you. Um, or I might have, I think I emailed Frank first, because Frank, given his, um, his background in Japanese studies, I thought, oh, this is perfect for Frank. Frank's like, sign me up. We email Daisuke Miao, and he's like, sign me up. And here we are. It's an Acomedia success story. Talking to Professor Mao. <laughs> Meow, actually. Meow. Meow. Yeah, I think it's probably, it's, of course, the pronunciation is certainly more subtle than that. And you'll hear Frank, who knows how to speak Japanese, and he can say it in the much more precise way that is proper pronunciation. But the man who wrote the book called Cinema is a Cat, his name is Meow. You can't make this stuff up. It's so good. And this is a really delightful conversation that Frank has with him. Take it away, Frank. Professor Daisuke Miao is a film historian who combines approaches from cinema studies, East Asian studies, and American studies to write on a wide variety of topics, from silent film to film aesthetics to animation, often with a focus on cinema as a transnational cultural form. He received his BA in American studies from the University of Tokyo, his MA in area studies also from the University of Tokyo in 1995, Another MA in Cinema Studies from New York University in 1997, and his PhD in Cinema Studies from New York University in 2003. He is the author of several monographs in film studies in English, uh, as well as a monograph in Japanese, 
And he also serves as an editor of a number of volumes, including the Oxford Handbook of Japanese Cinema. Today, I'll be talking with Professor Miao on his recent book, Cinema is a Cat, a Cat Lover's Introduction to Film Studies. Professor Miao, welcome to Acumedia. Thank you, Frank, for your generous introduction. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I figured we'd just get started off. I'd love to ask you, can you just tell us a bit about the book? Yes, um, the book is, the title is Cinema is a Cat, a Cat Lover's Introduction to Film Studies. So obviously, this is a, this is a book about cinema, but it is also about cats, two loves of my life, so to speak. Uh, yeah, I chose cats to be um, a kind of a guide to go through important uh, concepts of film studies, uh, languages of films as well. So this is not really a research-oriented book for scholars. It's more toward the students, uh, general lovers of films uh, who want to know film studies in terms of critically analyze uh, cinematic forms and a history of films as well. So um, I hope this book uh, opens up more readers to film, film studies, and of course, cats. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I got, I got my own copy of your book, and I was having so much fun just kind of reading through it and reminding and refreshing myself also of a lot of the concepts you describe. I think it's also a great book for anybody to pick up and be like, oh yeah, what was, what was that thing in film studies again? And you have so many great examples of uh, cats from different scenes in movies and such. How did you pick what films you were going to kind of use to help guide the reader? So um, I think I see lots of connections or um, similarities between the nature of cinema and the nature of cats. So um, I have chosen several uh, innate characters of cats, like cats love small spaces, cats love uh, dark places, cats love chases, um, to explain uh, for the first one, uh, framing of cinema, lighting for the second, characteristics, and editing for the third characteristic. So those are the three opening chapters of my book. Um, it's a part one, The Language of Cinema. And I have chosen Breakfast at Tiffany's, Audrey Hepburn, uh, Star Vico for the first one. Cat People, uh, Jack Turner's beautiful uh, film noir slash uh, horror film for lighting. And To Catch a Thief by Hitchcock quintessential chase film uh, to explain the editing. So I, um, I have connected uh, the cat's natures to the uh, essential elements of films um, to explain or to open up the film studies to the, to the readers. And you talk about it a little bit in the introduction of the book, but I was wondering if I can ask you about how did you come up with the idea for this book in the first place? You mentioned that Cinema and Cats are two of your loves in your life, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got to the point where you said, okay, I'm going to write about this. Yes, um, this is probably the most personal works that I have done so far uh, as a film scholar. Um, in 2008, I lost my uh, previous cat, uh, whose name was Dika. And when she died, um, I wanted to do something for her. 
So cinema, writing about films was the, uh, the first thing that came to my mind. Um, I wrote a short piece as a tribute to Dika, which uh, became the first chapter of this uh, this book. Uh, so it was about Blackfest at Tiffany's. Why Blackfest at Tiffany's? Uh, because there is a song that Audrey Hepburn sings in the film. It's about uh, the bridge. It's about the rainbow. And many people say that when cats or uh, uh, loving creatures die, they cross over the rainbow bridge in the heaven. Um, so Breakfast at Tiffany's and the Audrey Hepburn song um, came to me. And uh, that film that I love was the one that I wanted to write about when my cat died. So I wrote a piece uh, that was actually in Japanese first, and I sent it to uh, one of my professors in Japan, Professor Motoyuki Shibata, uh, who is still editing a, a literary journal called Monkey, uh, not cat, but monkey. And I was hoping that my piece potentially be an article in uh, Monkey. But at that time, Professor Shibata suggested me to write a book, Shinsho in Japanese. Shinsho is a very unique uh, style of book in Japan. It's like a guidebook to academic issues or uh, the theories like uh, introduction to Kant or introduction to uh, American Revolution. So experts in each field uh, writes about those uh, important aspects of human lives, uh, academia, uh, in a very short book form, like 150 pages long. So uh, Professor Shibata suggested me to write a book about film studies, uh, introduction to film studies, uh, by focusing on cats. So that was the beginning of this book, uh, at least the Japanese version. So based on his suggestion, thanks to his suggestion, uh, I chose nine films about cats. And I, I eventually wrote a book about cats and cinema. Right. Thank you for sharing that. I know that the loss of a pet is kind of never really goes away. So I appreciate I appreciate that. And uh, I did not grow up with cats, but I grew up with dogs. And we definitely also talked about the Rainbow Bridge when it came to some of the pets that I grew up with. And when we lost them eventually as well. And, you know, I learned Japanese in my childhood and then through my teenage years and took classes in college. And then eventually when you kind of got to the more advanced classes, some of the books you're talking about are actually really useful also for Japanese language learners as well to kind mm -hmm. of learn mm -hmm. about, okay, like I'm interested in film studies and let me read a kind of more accessible uh, book in, in film studies in Japanese as well. So uh, I think these books do a great service in uh, more ways than one. And yeah, actually speaking about the Japanese version of the book, the title is Eiga wa Neko de Aru, or uh, cinema, well, I guess it's really cinema as a cat, actually the English title <laughs> very well, basically that's it. Um, and for listeners who may not know, it's very close to the title of a famous work of Japanese literature by Natsume Soseki, uh, just Wagahai wa Neko de Aru, I am a cat. Are you a Soseki fan or how did the title come to be? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was thinking about the title for this book, definitely, you know, Natsume Soseki's famous novel came to my mind. But at the same time, I was thinking 
there are so many similarities between the nature or the characteristics of cat and cinema. I mean, I think they are very similar. Um, you know, I love them both. Uh, and uh, to a certain degree, I think I know what elements or what aspects of those two things, I mean, cinema and cats, I like the dark place uh, to get alone, to become alone in a dark place. And uh, I really like the, uh, the lighting, shadows, uh, the, the blinks of the cat's eyes and those so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But if we think about the you know, perfect definition of cinema or the perfect grasp of a cat as a, um, a partner, it's really, really difficult to understand as a whole, as its entirety. I have spent the last um, 30, 40 years watching films, mm -hmm. uh, but I still don't understand what cinema can do, what cinema is. Similarly, um, I have spent the last at least two decades with cats, uh, and I love them, but still, you know, I still don't know what they're <laughs> thinking, what they really like. There's one of my cats uh, sleeping here right now, but what kind of dreams they are dreaming. <laughs> I still, yeah. there are so many things that I still don't understand. And uh, whenever I see a movie, when I, whenever I see uh, our cats, um, I find new things every day or in every minute. Mm -hmm. So um, well, even, you know, when I watch the same film, um, you know, twice, three times, four times, I of course. find, yeah, new things. So um, yeah, cinema is a cat. Cat is a cinema. That was the, um, you know, definite inspiration when I decided the title. Right. And you also speak about it a little bit in the book as well, uh, in the Soseking work about this idea of how do we understand a cat? How might we come to a kind of mutual understanding? And that, that can be really hard and there's always new things to discover. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually um, just kind of going back to the conception of the book, you mentioned in the English introduction that this is not just a translation from Japanese mm -hmm. to English, right? Can you talk a little bit more about how that happened and what that kind of looks like? Yes, um, so the Japanese version was mainly written for uh, general readers. So I talked a little bit about the nature of Shinsho, the Japanese paper bag. Shinsho are mostly read by um, non-academic readers who want to learn about uh, special topics like film studies or the history of the United States or uh, the philosopher Deleuze and so on and so forth. Um, so I chose the writing styles approachable by the Japanese, I mean, the general readers. But uh, when I changed the Japanese edition to the English edition, I was thinking more about students. The book was published by the University of Hawaii Press. Uh, and so the publisher was also thinking about the, um, the academic market. So that was the uh, biggest change that I was thinking about. So how, how is this book useful to the students? Not necessarily the film studies, but the students who are only interested in films or maybe uh, the topics in Japan or the topics in uh, humanities in general. Yeah. Um, so I not only talked about the similarities between cats and cinema, uh, I not only talked about uh, how to read uh, cinema uh, by way of the nature of cats, uh, I try to explain theories 
uh, histories of cinema by way of analyzing films with cats. So I didn't really talk much about such issues as feminist film theory, how it came out, how it developed. I didn't really talk about, let's say, modernity, uh, modernity theories. Uh, I didn't really talk about genre theories in my Japanese versions. But I talk more. I talk more about those specific topics in film studies for the uh, mainly for the students. And do you have any plans to maybe take some of the new content in English and put it back into Japanese at all, or would would that be something that <laughs> a lot of work? <laughs> you know, I keep taking notes whenever I watch films uh, and whenever cats appear mm. uh, in those films. You must have quite a reference chart. Yeah, uh, I do want to write an expanded version or um, a sequel <laughs> to this book um, because you know there are so many uh, concepts or the theories of cinema that I haven't touched upon in this version. Right, I haven't talked about new media. I haven't mm-hmm. talked about the theories of bodies and you know those. Um... You do mention cat videos on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And my major focus is on historical. um, uh, I mean, the the choice of the films are uh, from uh, long history of uh, cinema. So I didn't talk much about contemporary films like, you know, uh, Captain Marvel. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that uh, Samuel Jackson character lost his eye. That was because of a cat. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, um, one of the films that I wanted to include in this book was Alien. uh, Yeah, um, the the cat Jones plays a very important role in that film. when um, a grown-up uh, alien first appeared on the screen, uh, mm-hmm. that was um, the cat's POV, not the human POV, but the cat's mm. POV. Um, so those things that I wanted to you know, discuss in um, different versions of, or different editions of this book in the future. Oh my God, you can just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, as you mentioned, like cats are kind of everywhere in cinema as well. Mm-hmm. And so you don't have to, it's, you don't have to look hard to keep finding new things to write about. But mm-hmm. I am curious, uh, speaking of sequels, do you have any plans to write Cinema is a Dog? <laughs> do you have anything to say for dog lovers? Yeah, I also grew up with a dog. Um, so um, yeah, I, I am very affectionate about dogs as well. So that is a, that is a potential project for me as well. Um, one of the films that I watched recently, uh, it's a Joseph von Stumberg's uh, classic film uh, called The Thunderbolt. That is a very interesting uh, film about the relationship between cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, the hero, George Bancroft, uh, he's a dog person, but he's attracted to the kind of a cat woman. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, the bo- uh, both cats and dogs play a very important and, you know, very affectionate roles in that film. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I do want to talk about maybe the relationship between dogs and cats in cinema. Ooh, that sounds good. Wasn't there an animated film in America like 20 years ago? Was it just cats versus dogs or something like that? You know what I'm <laughs> I think about? so. Yeah. Cats and dogs or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the cats are the evil ones and they're the 
like the secret agents and the dogs are kind of <laughs> clumsy but good-hearted. I think it is true that cats are um, more difficult to, uh, let's say, control. Francois Truffaut's, uh, I mean, you know, a French New Wave filmmaker, Francois Truffaut's film, Day for Night, uh, it's 1973 film, uh, is a quintessential film about uncontrollable characteristic of cats when, you know, filmmakers want to place them or show them in films. Right. It's, it's nearly impossible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's interesting because some of the things you mentioned about cats, like liking dark spaces, we maybe don't associate with dogs as much, but <laughs> I think they both have a lot to offer. So I'm, I'm not taking any sides here, although I, I did not grow up with cats. So I've, I've always kind of uh, missed out on the cat experience, but, <laughs> but no, that's great. Actually, I, I was I was wondering because I think this book uh, meant for students. I think it's such a great idea and such a rich concept. Have you heard of people assigning it? Have you heard from students? Like, what kind of feedback have you gotten on this book? Yes, um, I have heard uh, from my friends who are teaching this book uh, in in their courses, Introduction to Film Studies, because um, you know there are so many cat lovers among our students. So yeah. um, it gives, yeah, it gives a um, easy to start handbook uh, to the theories of films and media. So yeah, f- thankfully I have heard um, lots of good things about this book as an introduction to film studies. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I remember in my freshman year of college, I never went in this direction, but I did take a class on theoretical physics. Mm. And one of the books that the professor used, I forget the exact title of it, but it was explaining quantum physics to my dog or something like that. <laughs> and it, it was just it was just such a great book, it clearly written like your book out of the author's love for her dog. And <laughs> it, it just it kind of told you everything you needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a student's perspective, and it was wonderful. And also kind of leaving pets behind. I know there's, I guess there's a lot of this in quantum physics, maybe. Uh, I remember there's this one, like, uh, that relates heavy metal to quantum physics, uh-huh, right? uh-huh. something like that. Uh, I don't know how many of these books are, exist in other domains, so I'm really happy <laughs> that your book kind of adds to the film studies mm-hmm. uh, repertoire of taking taking these topics Right. making them accessible, making them available for students. I think it's it's a wonderful thing, but I think maybe it can also be a challenge for scholars to write as well. Do you have any advice for other scholars maybe looking to kind of take one of their passions or their loves related to their field in a way that other people can kind of learn from? Do you have any advice for scholars looking to go in that direction? I think there are things that a person can be passionate about. I believe uh, they can find affinities, connections among those things. I mean, if I go back to the the film that I have already mentioned, Alien, what I can add is that it is important to have perspectives that are uh, separate from ourselves, human beings, uh, especially in the time when we are the central existence of the world when we are facing difficult environmental, ecological issues, I do believe that um, it is important to have non-human perspectives. Um, There is a a filmmaker, Japanese filmmaker, Kiju Yoshida, he wrote a book on Ozu, 
Yeah, so she was also focusing on the gaze of things. He talked about the gaze of pillows in Ozu's Tokyo story to objectify the existence of human beings, to complicate the notions of time and space uh, in human world uh, by utilizing this you know, metaphorical gaze of things, the gaze of pillows. So what I'm trying to do uh, in this book and beyond uh, is to provide multiple diverse viewpoints, um, in this case, cats. But uh, by doing so, I think I am trying to have a objective viewpoint, multiple diverse viewpoints toward not only cinema, but toward the world. So that's yeah. one important thing that we all uh, think about as scholars, as humanists, not only for uh, academia, but also for the world. So that's probably the one important thing that I have been thinking of in relation to this book and beyond. Thank you for that advice. And I wanted to close out by asking, maybe this is an impossible question, uh, but do you have a favorite cat in the history of cinema? Like a cat that showed up on <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. For there, are, there are so many of them. <laughs> now, that, um, now that I have published another book, Japonism and the Birth of Cinema, which is about uh, the films of Lumiere Brothers. Yeah. So I must say uh, the cat films done by Lumiere Brothers are my favorite cat films. Also, uh, if I can add, I really like Robert Altman's The Long Goodbye, the opening scene. The protagonist is woken by a cat at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> the cat is so hungry and uh, she wants attention. Um, that's a beautiful, uh, probably the most favorite opening scene of a film to me. So The Long, the long Goodbye by Robert Altman is my favorite cat film. Oh, <laughs> thank you for sharing. Yeah, I, that, that might be a little more impactful than Vito Corleone stroking a cat, but that's also very impactful <laughs> in a different way, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you speaking with us here at Acumedia. And uh, I, I look forward to uh, your future your future books. Thank, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so very much, Frank. I really appreciate it. So that was a really lovely conversation. And, you know, I found that inspiring too. the idea of when you love something and you want to revisit it in various ways and connect it to other things you love. It's a really delightful idea. We are sense making machines. And I just love the, the kind of imaginative way of building these bridges and articulating concepts together. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I have to note, one of my cats has appeared. My, my cats were kittens during the pan, at the start of the pandemic, and they did not experience human beings outside of the people who were in my house. And so they are terrified of strangers, one of them a little bit less so, and that's Livy. And Livy has come out to greet us. So I think she got the idea that there was like a, a good cat vibe happening here. She clearly is on board with this interview. I don't know what she's going to say next month when we uh, have a rebuttal <laughs> and uh, and we turn the microphone over to Dot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dot is a 10-month-old German short hair pointer who mm. I think would like to, is feeling a little left out, frankly. Well, and then my other cat, Coley, would be really just, we would never see Coley again. Coley would hide. Coley's afraid of people. And so if a dog was added into the mix, Coley would ne never listen to our podcast again. We'd, oh, no, that Coley. would be sad. That would be sad. We don't want to run that risk. No. <laughs> All right. Um, 
Well, honestly, this is the kind of uh, chance Twitter encounter that I really relish hearing about right now because mm. I have, I mean, I'm kind of an intermittent Twitter user. And, and of course, what I'm doing now is following all of these national security people and Ukrainian foreign ministers and, you know, just doom scrolling the end of the world on yeah. Twitter. And um, it's kind of nice to have something a, a little bit more uh, life affirming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough times out there. Um, we are going to try to add to the life-affirming fun on Twitter next week. Um, we're recording this right a week ahead of SEMS, and we're um, planning to get this out before the SEMS conference starts. And we decided to do something special for Acamedia um, right before the conference, kind of a kickoff event before the conference. So this will be Wednesday night, time TBD. We'll check back in, check our social media, ACA underscore media yeah. on Twitter and our Facebook. So we'll float out the exact time then, but sometime Wednesday afternoon or evening, we're going to do a Twitter spaces session. I don't even know what that is, but I will be there. I've never done one. We'll, we'll do a test run. We'll see how it works. Update from the future. Turns out Twitter Spaces works poorly. Uh, so much for bringing more life-affirming fun to Twitter. Instead, we'll bring it to Zoom. You can find us on Wednesday, March 30th at 5 p.m. Eastern U.S. time within the SMS conference platform Pathable, and the session will be recorded for later viewing. Now back to a more innocent time when we thought Twitter Spaces was good. And we've got some segments in mind. We're going to do kind of a sequel to the Paula Masood interview well, where we will interview a couple of SEMS board members and talk about the life of a board member. Um, we will do a kind of like an open brainstorming session for ideas. And in particular, we're going to uh, have a couple SIG, SEMS SIG representatives who are interested in doing some segments and we'll kind of talk through ideas and kind of it'll be like a how Acamedia segments happen when they don't happen spontaneously like on Twitter. And then we will have some representatives from the radio SIG to talk about, kind of get a little meta. What exactly are we doing? A podcast on Twitter spaces and what audio culture is happening out there in the world today. So we'll get some, uh, some insight on that from some experts. So please uh, try to join us there. We yeah. will announce it publicly. Uh, we'll put it on, you know on the social media as well. Yep, and we will record it. Uh, that apparently is possible on Twitter Spaces. So if you can't catch it live, we will uh, publicize it on the SCMS conference hashtag, which I believe is SCMS22, I think, fewer characters rather than 2022. So SCMS22, we'll publicize it there. So if you can catch up with it later, you will be able to. Excellent. Um, I will say that as a bit of a tangential connection, but in uh, media consumption land, I just watched uh, Mike Mills' film "Come On, Come On" with oh. Joaquin Phoenix and Gabby Hoffman, mm -hmm. and he's a he's a radio producer, but it's very podcasty. And it also has Molly Webster, who is one of the producers of Radio Lab. She's actually oh, in the film, and you know it's hard to represent that kind of work. But I thought it was actually really it was really pretty great the way that it. I mean, it, the podcasting was not central to the narrative and it's more about the relationship with his nephew but really enjoyed it good stuff all right it's worth a watch well and i watched something uh so we have a film society and we watched the mitchells versus the machines a netflix film which i didn't know existed and so this is one of those stories of like god netflix please publicize the really good content you have mm -hmm. because it's really good and the idea that i didn't know about it so i mentioned a little bit ago the names of my cats livy and coley and if that sounds like vaguely familiar, if you put those two names together, yes, I'm obsessed with Olivia Coleman. I did name my cats Livy and Coley after Olivia Coleman, and I'm not ashamed to say it. 
not much. Um, so, and she's in it. She plays, she's the voice of the evil iPhone, basically. And she's great, of course. And I didn't even know about this film until a student mentioned it. And it's really, really good. It's interesting. Um, you know, it's a relatively simple story, but really clever humor and interesting animation and really good. And I didn't know it existed because Netflix just flattens out everything. Everything is flattened. Mm -hmm. But it is a film also about technology. So technology run amok and technology, you know, it's kind of standard story there as far as like a Mm sci-fi theme, but a comedy theme about um, we're on our phones too much and people freak out when they're asked to put their phones down for 30 seconds. And yeah. And Olivia Coleman, come on. And Olivia Coleman is an evil iPhone. Yeah. I like it. It works. All right. Thank you uh, all for listening to us. Acomedia would not be possible without the support of the Society for Cinema and Media Studies and the University of Notre Dame. And uh, we're going to thank our usual participants, but we have a new name to add who you're going to be hearing from in the coming months. So a couple months ago, we sent out a call for help and someone actually replied. Yeah. So Diana De Pasquale uh, contacted us and said she'd love to help out. And comedy is one of her areas, which then one of our other producers, Stephanie Brown, heard that and was like, amazing. And so they're at work now on a series about uh, all kinds of things, about uh, improv and the relationship of improv in in teaching, um, comedy comedy and uh, politics. And so uh, you're going to hear, hear some great segments about comedy coming forward in the next couple of months. Yeah. So welcome aboard, Diana. Thanks for uh, helping us out. Yeah. And so, yeah, the uh, other producers, Stephanie Brown at Washington College, Frank Mondelli, of course. Thank you, Frank, for this amazing interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's at Stanford and that interview with Daisuke Miao. So thank you so much to Dr. Miao for that amazing insight into his work. And also to uh, Todd Thompson down at the University of Texas and to Bill Kirkpatrick up there at the University of Winnipeg. So down there and up there. Down we there, all, up there. We're all directions. We all cover four, all the directions. All four corners. Stephanie's down shore. Oh, she's is that? she's uh, on the Maryland shore, <laughs> Washington College. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we cover all bases. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, come join us uh, Wednesday, March 30th, uh, sometime on Twitter. Be a part of the Acomedia, you know, Acomedia history. We're going to be making audio history on Twitter spaces. You know we are. Meow.